0: Hi folks, welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. We're out here in Las Vegas, Nevada with my partner, Gloria Edson, at RE Plus 2023. Who could believe it's 2023? Uh, Give a shout out to our friends at Daytona, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, our loyal sponsors, and particularly to our driver, NASCAR Truck Series uh, driver, Mr. Daniel Dye. Uh, He's all over the place doing a wonderful job representing us, and thanks for the support for the Race to Stop Suicide. Anyway, we've got a very special guest here today, and I can't wait to hear what he does because he's already tuned us in a little bit. This is Mr. Larry Zulch with Infinity. Larry, welcome to the show. Oh, good to be with you. Yeah, just before we started, you gave me a little bit of a tune-up. Now you've got my antenna. I want to hear more about this, but you're in the uh, the storage part of the business, correct? That's
1: right.
0: Before we do that, I want to ask you a question. When you came into the hall today and saw 10 million people, what would you think? <laughs> I thought, fabulous. Renewable energy really is hitting its stride. <laughs> you know, several years ago when we had the the, the issue with the, with the COVID and everything, it was kind of a slowdown and it kind of brought back slowly. Now it is like full force, isn't it? It's crazy. It's busier than I was
1: expecting and busier by quite a bit than last year.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Like there's three different floors of, with a... Uh, product show, and then there's another, I guess it's Caesars Forum, there's another show going on there. I think solar's taking over the whole city of Las Vegas.
1: It shows the importance of moving to renewable energy. We're going to be electrifying the world, and it's going to be
0: an enormous, enormous challenge. Yeah, we were talking in a in last interview about how much electricity it would take to power... Las Vegas for a day. A lot, right? It's a lot. That's right. I mean, they, the lights are on all the time. It's just crazy. As uh, this is a place that uses its electricity. That's for sure. Yeah, and a lot of these casinos, not that Gloria's been in one. I mean, uh, not that we've been in one. But, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they, they, the doors open and the air conditioners is going out. Right? You know, it's so hot. you got to get inside, Yeah.
1: You know? I've noticed that. It's true.
0: <laughs> okay. So talk, talk to me a little bit about where you grew up. A little bit about your background.
1: <laughs> I'm actually a San Francisco native, but uh you know, so and I live in San Francisco now, although I certainly lived other places in the meantime, Southern California and, and Oregon. But I've always been a west coast of the United States guy. But I, I think, you know, for me I've always been interested in technology. And the interesting technologies are the ones that are at that point when they are becoming commercial. They're Changing rapidly, they're meeting new needs, and and that's certainly the case with energy
0: storage. So, when people think of energy storage, I think you know one of the first names that comes to mind would be Elon Musk and Tesla, very very well known name and everything like that. That is one form of storage, but there's a lot of different forms, correct?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, we see energy storage anywhere from our watches and our phones all the way up to. Um, big installations connected with the, the electric grid. That's where we play is in the electric grid side. Okay, so you're on the larger ones. The larger size. So you don't want to be talking about my phone right, or my watch. What we do wouldn't be useful. <laughs> there's, We I was make ask. batteries the size of shipping containers. Oh, my God.
0: I was going to ask you if you could make my watch last a little <laughs> longer. I guess that's another thing. Shipping containers. Yes.
1: And you don't buy just one of them. But I, I, our thesis is pretty simple. I, it's very clear that if we're successful here at RE Plus, there's going to be a lot of renewable energy connected to the grid and providing the electricity we we need. And the thing about renewable energy is it's intermittent. The sun doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. And you have to be ready for those times. And that's when energy storage comes in. The thing is, we're so used to lithium batteries as energy storage, and they're terrific. I have one in my car. Uh, I have them in my phone and our watches. We're talking about it's not the best for putting it on the electric grid. They have a tendency to wear out, occasionally catch fire. And you really want something that is durable in a way that we're used to for the entire electric grid. And that's when the kind of battery we make comes in. Okay. I know you're kind of tempting us now. You're going to tell us what that is, right? Right. I am happy to tell you what it okay, is. Okay, let me go. Go ahead. Yeah, we make a vanadium flow batteries. And so um, that there are three words there, vanadium flow batteries. So let me say what vanadium is first. It's an element, element 23. My daughters sometimes say, sounds like it's out of a Marvell comic. It's like, well, actually, vanadium is very common in the Earth's crust, more so than lithium or even copper. There's a lot of vanadium. Um, and uh, And it has a unique characteristic. It... It can combine with oxygen, just like hydrogen does to make water. And, you know, you split it or combine it, you're adding or taking away energy. Well, it's the same way with vanadium. The flow part of the battery is because the vanadium is dissolved in a mild battery acid, water-based. So the batteries never catch fire. Because there's two tanks, a positive tank and a negative tank, each with this mild battery acid, vanadium, and it flows through what we call a cell stack. And that's the last part of the vanadium flow battery is the cell stack is just a a stack of membranes with positive electrolyte on one side, negative on the other. That's where the electricity gets stored in the electrolyte or gets pulled back out of the electrolyte.
0: So just that word vanadium just rolls off your tongue. It just feels good to say it. It know. does. I like vanadium. Say it, Gloria. Oh, vanadium. She can say that very well, too. Yes. It's just a vanadium flow Vanadium flowberry. I, I sell vanadium flow bedding. I mean, it just sounds good. <laughs> but, so how, do you, how do, do you mine for vanadium? And Actually, that's a good it? question.
1: You know, 80% of vanadium it comes from post-industrial processes. You know, right now there are regulations that say don't burn a lot of sulfur in your oil in ships as they cross the ocean. How do you remove the sulfur from the oil? You run it through a catalyst bed. What clogs the catalyst? vanadium there's a lot of it in oil and so once the vanadium has clogged the catalyst it's useful useless for reducing sulfur very useful for mining vanadium out of it so 80% comes out of processes
0: like that only 20% is primary mined so the, the millions of cars that have oil changes every day is that oil ever processed and there are discussions about doing that. Almost every petroleum
1: product has some vanadium in it. Normally, it's inert, so you don't really care. But if you can pull it out and put it into a battery, that's fantastic. Uh, certainly what's called fly ash, which is left over after you burn oil, um, that has vanadium in it. And uh, there is a plant in Arkansas, for example, U.S. Vanadium, where they import fly ash from India. If you go, We sort of think of sending our toxic waste to other countries and it's and I think a good thing that we can actually take something uh, burned oil residue from
0: India and turn it into valuable vanadium. So does that come like in across across in ships and they? come in trucks and they it, it, Exactly
1: right. I mean they take tons and tons and tons of fly ash from India and then process it um, for removing the vanadium.
0: Why fly ash? What's what's the word fly ash mean? I
1: mean well fly ash is just the combustion product of burning oil. You okay. burn oil, what's left over a very fine ash and it has and it and it in effect concentrates the vanadium that's naturally in oil. Oh, huh. cheaper. So these bu- these batteries are available in different sizes? Yes. Um, they are. I mean, there's probably 20 different companies making vanadium flow batteries around the world. It was invented in Australia in the 80s, and and then it was commercialized by Sumitomo of Japan in the 90s. But then in the 2000s, it started really becoming more interesting. There are a number of companies that have been making them all the way from residential sized ones, the size of a refrigerator, up to ones like ours, which are the biggest ones around. We. We've put the largest flow batteries in the UK, in the United States, the largest flow battery in Canada and in Australia. So we, in each of those cases, we've put in a very large flow battery.
0: So how do you know how to size these things? I mean, is there must be a certain number of kilowatt
1: storage, or how do they do that? Yeah, we're, we're at the point where we're talking about megawatts of of power and megawatt hours of storage in our vanadium flow batteries. And generally, the, it depends on the situation. The one in Canada, for example, uh, because it's in Canada, fairly far north, it's connected to a lot of solar. And that makes the solar energy available in Alberta w- even when the sun's not shining. A lot of solar because in the winter, you you don't get much sun up there, and so you need it. We also have a large one in Australia where it's a much smaller amount of PV because there's so much sun and, and there's so much power available. When the sun's shining, you don't need a lot for the storage.
0: Wow. That is really interesting. So in your mind, going forward, where do you see the storage industry? I mean, you look around here and it's like crazy. What, what do you see happening? You know, it, every time you hear about... The goals that
1: various governments have for we're going to be more and more renewable energy and that can be the state of California it can be the United States, it can be other countries every time you hear that I always think wow opportunity and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Bloomberg Neff, the, the group in Bloomberg that looks at new energy futures uh, um, predicts 2 trillion dollars spent on energy stores between now and 2040 worldwide trillions wow. of dollars
0: Wow. So when you, see, you talk about Bloomberg, I think about this Bloomberg box. Is that, how does that, is that anything to do with that? I don't think, uh,
1: not really. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the Bloomberg terminal where, they, where they, are, they get a lot of good information, Bloomberg is very good at doing analysis mm-hmm. um, and, and, that's, and, that, and they do it for energy as well. Oh
0: man. Well, that is, that is phenomenal. How did you get involved in business?
1: Well, you know, I've always been interested in business, as I was saying, sort of at the forefront of change. And I was in the PC business, in the IT business, in computer networking. In each of those, though, they became sort of standard. I mean, even today, um, Apple came out with a new iPhone, and I'm sure it's better than the last iPhone. But it's not going to be revolutionary. It's going to be, are a little bit better here and are a little bit better there, and that's fantastic. It's a mature product. Not that Interesting. Energy storage and the whole energy transition—it is in dramatic change right now. There's all kinds of competing chemistries, ways of storing energy, ways of producing energy, and you go around the show here, and it's got a kind of excitement that reminds me of personal computers twenty years ago. Mm.
0: It it does indeed. I was commenting before that you know maybe fifteen years ago we came to one of these shows, and it was it was. a solar thermal show and they had two or three people selling solar electric. It was like a, a fad. Oh, boy, the guy from Wisconsin is with his <laughs> ponytail is coming. And, all, and now look at it. Like you can't see solar thermal, although it's still a great, still a great uh, technology. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. Do you do, do anything with solar thermal uh, as far as storage? Is salt or anything no, like that? Oh, no, no. Okay. Our, our
1: technology is entirely the vanadium flow technology. But, you know, that is does bring oh. up the point that there is going to be many different technologies all working together um, to provide the kind of stable energy grid electric grid that we're used to you're gonna, we're gonna we don't ours is good for daily heavy duty operation and that's the most important usage to take the sun and even it out across 24 hours the wind even it out. but what happens when it doesn't um, when there's no wind for a couple weeks and the sun is dim or you know clouds better have some other energy storage. We're not solving that problem, and there are other companies that are. So we're going to see really short-term stuff, our daily stuff, and then things for weeks, months, even seasons. Mm-hmm.
0: So this show is principally about renewable energy, but is there is there a place for your storage uh, technology? even without renewable energy? In other words, can it, can it be teamed with something else to recharge the battery? Absolutely.
1: So, um, you know, there are multiple applications for, for energy storage beyond just um, taking renewables. And although even though that's what we talk about most. For example, the largest battery in the U.K. doesn't have any renewables connected with it at all, our, our big battery there. It's on the substation for the National Grid in the U.K., and it's helping... Stabilize the grid um, because Oxford—it's right near Oxford, England. Oxford's looking to electrify, and they keep getting electric vehicles plugging in right after work. They need extra energy. Um, they also will. Sundays on the in between the matches on the football games, um, everybody plugs in their kettle. That is, you know the tea, the British tea. You can't Darn. imagine how much power that takes. At one point, the Queen's address, she stopped she spoke and then when she stopped speaking so many people plugged in kettles that it almost took down the uk electric grid
0: holy mackerel i never thought of that that's cool (laughs) that's pretty cool so we're never going to run out of the need for electricity we're never going to run out of the need for storage so you found a way uh to combine that into an interesting career but i gotta say now that i heard somewhere through the grapevine that your wife is very successful in <laughs> solar as well talk about that a little bit well
1: that's true i mean my wife was in some ways my introduction into the energy business she got involved in solar early on um back when a one or two megawatt project was the biggest projects in the world and she would would do events around the fact that and now we've introduced the biggest f- biggest solar panel array in the world three megawatts i mean now you, you wouldn't even notice three megawatts so she's been doing that for a long time and i'm very proud of her what is her name her name is astrea okay. uh, often she goes by street to, Stree. to her friends so we're all friends
0: here so we'll call her street oh well, street congratulations you, you've 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 landed a great husband and a good businessman as well folks we're gonna have to take a short break stay with us we'll be right back Hi folks, Bill Gallagher with SolarFit here. Have you ever thought about utilizing solar power for your home or business? Well, there's never been a better time to plug into the sun and stop renting electricity. How would you like to let your roof start paying you each month? Give us a call at 445-7606. That's 445-7606. Or visit us at solarfit.com and set yourself free.
1: SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy.
0: Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. And here hear my sidekick, Gloria Edson. We're out in Las Vegas, Nevada, 4RE plus 2023. I have to stop. to cannot believe it. it's been that many many years we've been out to this show. Anyway, we're on the road today, and uh, we're here with our friend Larry Zolch, uh, CEO of Invinity. And he's giving us a little bit of an education, which is way more than a little. Um, I, I can't wait to see the product. I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, Larry... Say the name again. Validium?
1: Vanadium vanadium. Vanadium flow batteries is what we make. That, where did valadium come from? I don't know. It sounds good, though. I like Both it. Both of
0: them, but I think I, I like yours better. But anyway, all the different benefits. Why don't we give people that did not catch the first part of the show, give us a little bit of the benefits of that over, say, some of the more conventional batteries. Yeah, I mean,
1: vanadium flow batteries are distinguished by the fact that they never wear out. You can continuously cycle it. Sometimes people will say, what's the cycle count allowable on your vanadium flow battery? We say, continuous cycling from full charge to full discharge back and forth for 20 years. So it lasts a long time, doesn't wear out. It also has a benefit of never catching fire. You, know, you put enough energy into a small space, and certainly we see that with lithium batteries, that every once in a while they get what's called thermal runaway, which we call catching fire. No vanadium flow battery will ever catch fire. Mainly, it's water-based electrolyte in the in the system. So those are two of the big advantages for vanadium flow batteries.
0: What what moves the, the
1: water flow through the battery? So we have pumps. There are special pumps that pump the electrolyte through. So there's one circuit that's the positive circuit, one circuit that's the negative circuit. Each one has its own tank and its own pump, and then it... Pumps through that cell stack with the on one side of the membrane is positive on the other side is negative. And does it come out DC? And DC, yes, it's absolutely DC. So then it will run it into um, a PCS or inverter to get it up to AC. Although some of our systems actually accept DC straight off of solar. So they're DC direct connected, um, and that's very efficient because the process of
0: turning into AC does reduce efficiency. So there's power inverters or something that come through after the battery, right? That's right. To to, to provide the uh, utility... Grade energy that's exactly right do you do, prov- do you provide them them as well or just the no we
1: or? work with all the major manufacturers of inverters so our entire business is to do the batteries themselves and be the best at our one area yeah, our good. one little niche yeah you gotta
0: stick to what you know best right Right. Who are some of the inverter manufacturers that you team with?
1: Well, one of them that we work with is uh, Gamesa Electric. That's part of Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy, big manufacturer wind turbines. And what's special about them is that we've worked with them for a few years now to develop the next generation of our flow battery. I can tell you about that in a minute. But let me also mention um, SMA is another inverter manufacturer. Uh, Delta is another inverter manufacturer that we work with closely. Uh, and those are probably the main ones right now but we also have a few more that we're in the process of qualifying so we test them out from and make sure that their product and our
0: product are compatible Compatible, yeah Seems like you'd need a lot of them on a, on a scale of that wouldn't you i mean
1: it, it's true i mean these are these inverters themselves the whole system is often the size of a shipping container so it sits right next to our shipping containers and it looks a little bit like a shipping port sometimes
0: <laughs> but do you have anything uh in Nevada, like that?
1: Uh, yeah. Not in Nevada yet. Not in Nevada yet. We have a number in California, and, and we have some um, up and down the, the West Coast. But, uh, you think of Florida? Uh, and not in Florida either. Although there, there's, there's things on our pi- our sales pipeline that are quite promising in uh, in
0: Florida as well. Oh, Florida's got a pretty big backyard if you want to put a container back. There. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it would do the whole city of Daytona <laughs> what you're talking about size wise. But there you go. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's so it sounds like you do a lot of traveling. I do do a
1: lot yeah. of traveling. You know, we're based on the London Stock Exchange. We're over the counter in the U.S. So traded publicly traded stock. Um, and so I have to go to London regularly. And so I go there or Vancouver, British Columbia, or go back to my home in San Francisco.
0: That's what you do in British
1: Columbia. Um, well, in Vancouver is where our science team is. You know, that's the center of electrochemical expertise in, in all of North America. came out of the paper industry. Because they developed a lot of expertise, electrochemical expertise, working with bleach to turn paper white. Well, those chemists that were there, they brought in, uh, then started Ballard Energy Systems, the big manufacturer of uh, of fuel cells, other... Associate companies in fuel cells and hydrogen, and then became the first licensee of the name flow battery in North America. It was a was a team, very impressive team, I might say, because it's the same team that has been a couple of companies since, and then started my company.
0: So, how did they pick you out of all the people I could see? Well, they were just
1: the- smart. <laughs> I'd like to think, but. Um, you know, the, I agree. Actually, it was through my wife. Um, the, the, there's a very large company making solar trackers that my wife's worked with. It's called Next Tracker, and they did a bake-off. They said, "Let's put in a bunch of batteries into our yard in, in California and and test them and see how they work." They really liked the the battery from this team up in uh, up in British Columbia. Said that's a fantastic battery. Well, I happened to know, meet through my wife the the CEO of Next Tracker, um, and he said, Larry. You got to check this battery out. It's impressive, and they could use someone with that does what you do from a business side. You, you don't need to know anything about energy storage, though. Boy, over the last five years, I've had quite a quite an education. He said, "You don't need to know about energy storage. They're real experts on that. They could use the business side." So that's what brought us together. Yeah, that's good. So, what were some of your other business adventures before you got into this? Ooh, I I was involved with a company uh, doing computer networking, looking, at, um, looking down at the details of computer networks and watching the traffic as it goes by. Our biggest customer was the FBI, not because they wanted to see everything, because when they needed to see something, they wanted to not see all the things they were not supposed to see. So they liked the fact that our, our technology was very good at sort of picking a needle out of the haystack of computer networks. So uh, I worked with that company. I worked with another company um, in energy, it, I mean, in uh, data storage. So now storage is something that uh, I'm near and dear to my heart in both data and energy.
0: So what do you see coming down the road? What are we? What, what are we looking at?
1: Well, one thing is that we're going to be coming out with the next version of our of our product. It's really a critical new um, product. I mentioned it earlier that we've been co developing it with Siemens Gamesa. You know, they looked around to find energy storage suitable for wind turbines, for big wind turbine installations, and because lithium batteries, you know, wind cycling caused them to wear out pretty quickly. They said we went out and bought every battery we could find. And yours really worked well. It only had two problems. It was too expensive, and it didn't scale large enough. Those are pretty big problems. But they said, but we can see that the fundamental technology is great technology. Why don't we work together and scale it up to the size appropriate for wind turbines? And then at the same time, we should be able to bring the price down so that it's very competitive with lithium batteries. And we've been working on that with them for years now, and we're actually talking about it. This product's codenamed Mistral here at the show, even though it's not formally announced yet. As a small company, we get to talk about it early. So we're, we're, we're giving a little sneak preview of this next-generation product.
0: Oh, boy. It sounds like it would be pretty hard to copy that anyway, whatever that is. technology. Yeah,
1: hard. we're not concerned about someone <laughs> copying it.
0: See that, Gloria? She's taking her notes right now. It's probably something else. Anyway, this is a fantastic uh, subject Larry really appreciate you coming on and talking about it what what uh what can we do to help you how can we help uh as a little small business in daytona beach to introduce <laughs> this product to more people well i appreciate diesel. just this opportunity to talk
1: with you on your podcast that's that's the number one thing but any time that w- we are thinking about renewable energy asking about it connection to energy storage would would it wouldn't just help us although i think of course that's one thing that would be useful to us i do think that energy storage and solar and wind all go hand in hand and i think we need increasing recognition of that
0: well you know coming from daytona beach florida we mentioned this office there's a lot of things called these little hurricane things that come very nuisance create a lot of nuisance and everybody is in a flurry because they always wait too long. Yes. You know, having a... Uh yeah, even a central centralized storage system seems to yes. make a lot of sense.
1: I, I think so. I think I, one of the areas that's particularly useful for energy storage is resilience. The idea that no matter what happens, the larger grid, uh, you know, there's no I- issue with keeping the lights on because we're so dependent on electricity. And our batteries, being big and heavy, have the advantage, they are hurricane proof. Yeah. They really are. They also don't get damaged by water. So, you know that. They really are. Um, a fantastic product for something like that.
0: You know, in, in Florida, we see we have a lot of elderly people and we have uh, special homes for them, right? And we have lots of hospitals and things, and all the hospitals are required to have some type of a backup energy system. And you see these gigantic generators, and of course, in my mind, I think, man, that's great we got a generator, but if you have a situation where the grid goes down for an extended period of time, and the power lines are down, and there's no electricity. How do you get gas to the generator? That's right. And so I was like, whoa, wait a minute. How do you do that? Right? So this your product. It seems, would be perfect.
1: In connection with renewable energy, wind or solar, it can keep on going indefinitely. And I do think that we'll see increasing challenges to siting generators, um, diesel in particular. Yeah. The natural gas ones are easier to, to um, license, but then you're dependent on the natural gas supply coming in. So, the, you know, there's no free lunch on any of these things, and there'll be a variety of applications. But I, I, we do see that in the future, we will move away from fuel-based energy into renewable based energy and that transition that electrification is vast and is going to be transformative that's that's why so much money is anticipated being spent not only here at the show by all the people coming in
0: and projects but around the world is there is there an opportunity for your storage system with all the EVs coming in? I mean, uh, over on the West Coast, you probably don't have the problem. But on the East Coast, we really have virtually no charging stations, right, up and down the East Coast. That will probably change. But is there a a way that you can help in that market?
1: Absolutely. There are a number of the applications. And, in fact, that system in Oxford, part of what it stabilizes is the fact that when people – plug into the into their EV charging station, they use a lot of electricity, and you get a number of cars or trucks, and we're going to be electrifying trucks all coming in at the same time. There's going to be vast needs for electricity, and they'll be in surges. That's where energy storage is particularly good. You can charge the system over a period of time, and then when someone needs a lot of energy fast, because who likes to wait around for their car or truck to charge? can provide a surge of power at that point. So there's a lot of work being done to make the the energy grid more able to accommodate those surges. And some of that will be having energy storage
0: local to the EV charging stations. Wow, that's fascinating. Larry, we're almost out of time. I want to thank you very much for coming on with us. This has been fun listening to it, learning. What do you think, Larry?
1: Absolutely. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed it. it absolutely.
0: We need to have one in our backyard. <laughs> the, the, the testament. I'll, I'll arrange one to be drop
1: shipped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they have those big Sikorsky helicopters you could drop one right in the backyard. Exactly. Right? Right. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Is, I really appreciate it. Is it is a pleasure, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, uh, we're going to end this uh, uh, series right now. And uh, thank you again for your for your trust and loyalty and uh, support for the Race to Stop Suicide and continued success, Larry. Thank you very much. Take, take care, folks. See you next week. SolarFit Renewable Energy Radio Show paid for by SolarFit.